Alright, I want to draw your attention to verse 22 of Acts chapter 20. It says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit uh, under Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And I want you to notice that phrase that Paul said there where he says, none of these things move me. And that's where I want to get the title for the message today. None of these things move me. I want you to think about that word, that phrase. And that is a phrase too that we ought to keep in our mind when it comes to our course when it comes to what God has uh, willed for our lives, the things that we know are true, we can't allow things to move us. But understand, right there, that very statement, it implies that there are always going to be things trying to move you. There's always going to be forces out there that are trying to get you off your course, things that are trying to prevent you. And we need to be like Paul, and we just need to be able to say, none of these things move me. And, uh, and so to kind of help us understand that and kind of get some principle from this, I think it's important that we understand specifically what Paul was talking about when, when he said that. And I think we can get some uh, good lessons from this. But in this passage, Paul is saying goodbye to the saints in Ephesus who are sad, not just that Paul's leaving, but they understand they're probably never going to see Paul again. And Paul, Paul is aware of this and Paul knows that it's very likely he's probably going to get himself killed on this trip. And he didn't, but we just spent several weeks talking about all that Paul went through. And man, did Paul go through a bunch of stuff after this chapter right here. And so, and Paul knew in his spirit, uh, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he was going to have problems. He didn't know exactly how it was going to go down, but he knew that this path that he was on, it was going to be a difficult one. And he was not going to allow anything to move him and so and if we're if we're not careful as christians you know we can be allowed to let things move us specifically from finishing our course with joy paul said i want to finish my course with joy he's like when i'm done i want to be able to look back on what i've done and have joy in what i've done how many of you have ever finished a project before and after you got done you just felt good about it like you know what hey we did a good work here maybe you built something you fixed something now how many of you before have ever finished a project and you're like, I didn't do a real satisfying job here. All right? uh, you know, we've got some projects around my house that I finished, or I, I should say I quit working on. <laughs> and not necessarily with joy because, you know, I didn't completely get it done. It's functioning. Don't talk to my wife about her bathroom. You know, don't, uh, you know she, she brings that up every six months or so. She doesn't need to do that. I'll get it done one of these days. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've all been there before where we, we, com we finished with something, but we didn't finish it with joy. How many of you kids ever took a test before? And after you got finished with that test, you didn't feel real good about it. You know, but then there's other times you finish it and you're like, yeah, I nailed that one because you did your studying. You did your homework. You paid attention in your classes and you know, and you do, you know, you did a good job on that. I had a few moments like that when I was in school, but most of them, it was, uh, it was a feeling of dread. 
You know, like, oh man, you know, what, what's the, what's the final score going to be? And, you know, and there's going to be a lot of Christians that, you know, we are, we're going to, we're going to end one of these days and you might not end your Christian life as a drunk. You might not, you know, end your Christian life in a rehab center or something like that. But are you going to finish your course with joy? Are you going to be able to be like the apostle Paul and look back and say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. In Paul, and we're going to see a lot of passages about this, he often compares what we do to a race. A couple of weeks ago, we preached about pressing toward the mark. But I mean, how many of you have ever ran in a race before? And, you know, after you got done with that race, you were just like, you felt, you know, you, you knew you didn't give it your all. It's like, you know, I, I think I could have done a little better. But a lot of times you did, you just let that pain just slow you down too much. I mean, I, I've, I've run races before when I got done. I mean, I could feel... The soda I had drank that week, I could feel the pizza I had ate the night before. And it's just like, you know, if I'd have done a, had a better diet, I'd have had a better performance in this race. And uh, if, you're not, if you're not into racing and stuff, you might not totally understand that. But the thing is, there's been a lot of times when I have finished things and I was not, I did not finish it with joy because I did. I let a lot of things kind of get in the way to where I could have done better. And so when it comes to our Christian life, we do. We want to finish with joy. But if we're going to do that, we cannot let things move us. And so I want us to look specifically at what Paul was talking about. Because we all have things that we need to do as Christians. We all want to be good Christians. But we are. We're often disappointed with our performance as Christians. And why is it that when we finish something... You know, we're often just full of regret and disappointment. That's not what we want. And usually, if we stop and we think about it, we let something move us. We knew what we needed to do. It's not that we didn't know what we were supposed to do. How many of you before have you ever had financial goals? And you're like, I'm going to get this accomplished financially, but typically we let something move us. You know, I just, I was having a bad day. I really needed a, a mental boost, and I just had to eat at that fancy restaurant, even though it totally killed my budget for the week. But it was a good steak. You know, it was a great atmosphere. We had great service. But here it is. It's the next day, and I'm hungry again. You know, and we've, we, you know, we've all been there before. We let things move us from our plan. You know, it's, it's real easy to come up with a financial plan for something, but you want to know what's really hard? Sticking to the plan. Because we're being bombarded with advertisements all the time. We're walking by Walmart and seeing all these extra things that we don't need. So, and I think when it comes to being a good Christian... I think we all know what we need to do, but we let things move us. And that's what we cannot do. And so, but what I want to do, I want to look at specifically some of the things that Paul talked about. Because when he says, none of these things move me. Well, what were those things that he was talking about? And in verse 22, I want you to notice what it says. He says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit under Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Now, folks, we know what befell Paul there, don't, don't we? The Apostle Paul, when he got to Jerusalem, what happened? He showed up. He was just doing the purifying uh, rituals. He was following all the rules. He was doing everything he could, hoping to get a chance to preach to the Jews. And what happens? He gets some, uh, some other Jews recognize him. They accuse him of bringing a Gentile into the congregation. And what did they do? They beat him up. He gets beat up. A riot gets started. He gets arrested. And he spends the next couple of years in prison only to get taken and have to go on this horrible, treacherous voyage where he, they're, they're in a storm for weeks. They get you know, 
uh, crash on an island. I mean, he just goes through one thing after another. But you know what? Paul didn't let those things move him. And Paul, even at this time, before these things happen, he's like, none, he's like, I am, he's like, I don't know what's going to befall me in Jerusalem. And what Paul refused to let move him was the unknown. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of Christians let the unknown move them from what God's told them to do. Because let's, you know, let's just face it. Not only are there a lot of bad things that could probably happen to you, there's probably a lot of bad things that will happen to you. I wonder how many people, they don't want to go out soul-winning because you know, they might get shot or something. I've only ever heard about that happening one time. I've heard it happening, though. I mean, I'm not gonna, I do not want to get shot when I go out soul-winning. But at the same time, I'm going to die someday. I mean, good night. Might as well go out. I wasn't going to say go out with a bang. That's, that's not appropriate. But, you know, might as well die of something good, right? You know, and get a martyr's crown and things like that. I don't want it to happen. I don't want to get shot at all. But if I'm going to get shot, I hope I survive and I can show everybody my scar I got out soul winning or something, which is pretty bad, too. It's pretty bad that we do that. You know, like, yeah, check out my scar that I got while out soul winning. You know, when we have Jesus who has scars so we can go soul winning so we can be saved ourselves. So I, I know it's a carnal thing, so I probably won't get that privilege. Uh, but at the same time, there are there's a lot of things that probably could happen. You know, you probably will get chewed out. You, pro- you probably, you know, it, it's no fun getting chewed out and cussed out. I don't enjoy that kind of thing. It's not fun. It's, it's, it, it can be humiliating dealing with that kind of thing. You know, you could, uh, you never know what kind of, you know, people you're going to run into, what kind of things are going to happen when it comes to so many things. You know, think about the missionaries that have gone to these foreign countries. You know, I'm glad they didn't worry about what could happen because you know what? You read stories about missionaries, a lot of things that have happened to them over the years. Even in recent years, I've heard stories of missionaries getting shot and killed in other countries. And you know what? A, and what a tragic thing that is. But you know, I'm glad. They didn't let the fear of that because think about how many missionaries too have gone to foreign countries and things and nothing did happen to them. Or think about this too. How many people have gone to these foreign countries and they went through trials and tribulations, but yet the Lord was with them through the whole thing. The grace of God got them through it. They finished their course with joy. You know, it's amazing how many things that we think the, this would end me. This would move me, but you end up finding that the grace of God is with you through all those things and you do just fine. You know, most of the things that we fear, most of the things that we think that we can't handle, we would find out if we would just determine like Paul and say, you know what? None of these things move me. You'd find out that you actually can handle those things, that you actually do have the strength. You know why? Because God's grace is sufficient. He's there. You know why you don't need, you know why you don't have the strength right now to endure certain things because you don't need it and so you know god will give it to you when you need it there are burdens right now that i am not strong enough to carry but that's because i don't need to be strong enough to carry that burden right now but i'm going to tell you right now if i'm in the will of god and a time comes where i need the strength to carry a burden you know what where did where did samson's strength come from did it come from himself or did it come from the spirit of god It came from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God would come upon him. And so the truth is, we way way too often, we go and we shortchange ourselves. We allow ourselves to not do something that God wants us to do because we're so afraid of all these unknowns, all these things that could potentially happen, not realizing that God gives people the strength when they need it. God doesn't just give us the strength 
when we want it. He gives it when we need it. And we see that Moses, when God told Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to deliver my people from Egypt, Moses rightfully brought up his own shortcomings, his own inabilities that he had. But what he failed to do was to pay attention to the fact that God specifically said, I'll be with you. And therefore, he should be okay. And you know what? Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's given us his Holy Spirit, but yet we will allow what could be to stop us from doing something. I wonder how many people, they don't want to go and start a church because of the fear of the unknown. What if nobody comes? And you know what? Sometimes that happens for a long time. What if the church doesn't grow? I remember before we started the church, there were a lot of things that I feared that could potentially happen. And I wasn't sure how I'd be able to handle those things. And did you know a lot of those things happened? A lot of the things that I feared happened. But you know, I survived. And, and honestly, I survived pretty good. I lost more hair teaching in a Christian school than I have pastoring a church. My hair loss has kind of stopped since pastoring. You know, well, you know what's going on? I don't know. But you know, it's like, it's like I've, you know, things aren't, they're not as bad as you think. You know, I've talked about before how, you know, when, when I decided to take a stand on certain things doctrinally, you know, there were a lot of fears that I had of what would happen to me amongst the brethren, amongst other preachers and things. And not only did those things happen, but it was way worse than I ever imagined. But you know what? It didn't affect me near as much as I thought it would. I mean, if you'd have, if you'd have told me in the beginning, this, all these things that were going to happen, I'd have been like, Forget that. I, I almost never got a YouTube channel for fear of what could happen. And let me tell you something. What happened was exactly what I feared could potentially happen and a whole lot worse. And you know what? We were blessed by it. it, it not, only, not only did it not hurt, we were blessed. And all these things that I used to think, man, I don't ever want this to happen to me. Many of these things, they went ahead and they happened. And it was just like, this isn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I can handle this. Why? Because it's God that helps us through these things. And that's why we have to just, you know, we, we cannot let the fear of the unknown move us. If you know something is God's will, if you know there's something that God wants you to do, you can't sit around thinking about the unknown. You just need to do what he said to do. You know, trials and tribulations, they're out there. They're, they're more than likely going to come. Pastor Tommy, I want to get more involved and serve the Lord. I want to get more involved in, in the things of God. Well, you know what? Well, just mark it down. You're probably going to have some trials and tribulations. I tell people all the time after they get saved and they want to get baptized, I was, I was warning them. Hey, just so you know, you've decided now you're publicly going to go and you're going to show that you've been saved and that you're determining to follow Christ, the devil's not going to like it. You're probably going to get challenged. You're probably going to, he's probably going to come after you. And, and he always does. And, and I hate seeing it. You know, I'm always hoping people will have enough faith and to, to get through these things. But that's why the Apostle Paul later in this passage, what did he do? He was the same way. He told the people, I cease not to warn you night and day with tears. I told you, I told you that grievous wolves are going to come. And Paul was right. Grievous wolves did come to, to hurt and to, to devour the flock. But Paul did not let those things move him, even though he was sure things were likely to come. And, and uh, notice what he says in verse 23. 
So he's talking about the things in Jerusalem. He said, I don't know what's going to befall me there. But then he went on to say, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. What's he saying right here? He, Paul, this is Paul, what Paul's basically saying. All right, If I may put it in maybe our more modern vernacular. He's saying, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I'm in Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit tells me everywhere I go that trials, troubles, bonds, afflictions, they are a part of your life, Paul. So he's saying, bonds and afflictions abide me. This is, this is my life. This is what I signed up for. Trials, difficulties, prison, beatings. He's like, and, and he's like, that has been my history. Everywhere I go, I'm always getting beat up. Everywhere I go, I'm always stirring up things and, and you know, ha- having all these problems. Everywhere I go is just trials and troubles. And you know what? Paul did not allow past trials to move him. That's why a lot of people quit and a lot of people give up. They start going and they, they keep track way too much of all the things that have happened to them. They keep track way too much of all the people that have done them wrong. They keep track of all these, you know, these things that have come on them, difficulties, challenges, and they're like, you know what? This isn't fair. You know, just my life, it's just one big trial, it's one big problem, and you know what? I'm fed up with it. I give up. But the Apostle Paul didn't do that. The Apostle Paul, in fact, because he had such a long history of just trials everywhere he went, he's like, I'm pretty sure when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to have more problems. This is going to be a very difficult thing and so he did. He figured out they were a part of his life. And so he just accepted the fact. It's probably going to be bad wherever I go. What do you guys, I know a lot of you have been telling me by the Holy Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. How many, you know, if y'all are wondering what I think is going to happen when I go to Jerusalem, I think y'all are right. I think I'm probably going to get bound. I think I'm probably going to get beat up. I mean, folks, look at all the scars I have on me. I've got the same routine everywhere I go. But this is what the Holy Spirit's told me to do. And so, if you ask me what I think is going to happen, I think it's probably going to be pretty bad. But, you know what? In all those other cities I went to, there was a bunch of people that got saved, too. And I think I'm probably going to get some people saved. Now, he didn't really accomplish much in Jerusalem. But as a result of what happened, a lot of people got saved. Paul, Paul st- because he stayed on his course. Paul clearly had a stronger desire to do God's will than he did his own will. And, and so... Look what it says in verse 24. He says, so he says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul did also, so Paul did not allow the unknown to move him. Paul did not allow past trials to move him. And Paul didn't allow his own personal desires to move him. Now, when Paul said, I don't count my life dear, I don't think Paul's saying, I don't care about my life. But Paul is just saying, it's my life, my desires is not my priority. You know, there are things that I have that are mine, but they're not necessarily dear to me. You know, if I lose them, it's not a big deal. And it's okay for you to have things. It's all about priorities. We got to make sure we keep things in their proper place. I'm fine with people having nice houses, nice cars. If the Lord has blessed you with those things, by all means, enjoy those things, but just don't treasure those things above the will of God. Don't sacrifice 
the things of God so you can have those other things. And so the Apostle Paul, he's a man just like anyone else where I'm sure Paul enjoyed comfort more than he enjoyed prison. I'm sure Paul enjoyed people being nice to him more than he enjoyed them beating him up. I'm sure everybody's like that. But because his life wasn't dear to him, he was able to keep things you know, in their proper place and in their proper priority. And unfortunately, too often, we allow our own personal desires and the things we want to just get ahead of the things of God. We, we allow our own life to be dear to the point where the things of God, you know, they do. They take a back seat to that. And as a result, you're going to be moved. If you do, if you count your life dear, anytime you see the things of God in any way taking away from those things, you're going to have a problem with that. It's like, man, you know, taking these stands, it's costing me, it's costing me friends. It's costing me relationships. It's hurting me in certain areas. And hey, you know what? By all means, you know, love friends, love family, love relationships. But you know what? We're not supposed to love father and mother more than we love Christ. It, by all means, love your parents. By all means, love your family. You can, you, can, you can love all of those things, but not in the sense of, of putting them above God. And on, often in the Bible, and I've showed this before, I'm not going to spend time on this, but I think you all understand that you know, when the Bible often talks about loving one thing and hating another thing, it is. It's talking about priority. I don't believe God wants us to hate our parents in the sense of, I just despise them. No, God wants us to put them after God. We put him first. He's the priority. And because sometimes, sometimes, you know, and in, in many families, especially if you're from, if you were from a Jewish background, following after Christ was going to cause you to lose a relationship with your family. No, if you come from a family that's already Christian, that's a blessing that you don't have to sacrifice that for being a Christian. You know, it's great when you have their support. I mean, that's a wonderful blessing if you have that kind of thing. Or maybe they're just an American and everybody's okay, you know, and they, they'll at least still have you over for dinner and things like that. You know, I mean, that's better, that's better than the alternative. But either way, we've got to keep, it, this is all about priorities. And so without a doubt, there were probably earthly things Paul cared about. I'm sure Paul probably had hobbies. I'm sure he had things that he desired and he liked, but you know what? He cared about God more. That, that was his priority. And if you have a desire for certain earthly things, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you necessarily. It just means you're probably a normal, functioning, but fallen human being. The question is, who do you love more? If, if you have a desire for riches, okay, I mean, folks, who doesn't go drive by a nice house and think, man, that'd be nice. Who doesn't look at the fancy cars and think, oh, I wouldn't mind driving a car like that. You know what I mean? Who, who doesn't desire to have some of these things? I don't think you're wrong in doing that. The problem is if you prioritize those things. That's where, that's where the, prob, the problem is. 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. For while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And again, a lot of times, again, when it, the love of money, this too, it's referring to just like a prioritizing of it, right? Kelly, she was all excited when she 
uh, showed, she had $2 somebody gave her. She was showing me her $2 that she had. And she's pretty excited about it. You know, and I didn't tell her, Kelly, you should not be excited about that because the love of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, anybody think that's what I should have done? You know, as a positive? No. Here, here, because here's what that's about. Again, if we love, if we love money, then we love more than, more than we love other things. Okay. Listen, you know, Benjamin Franklin on green paper is a beautiful picture. All right. Let's just face it. I mean, he was an ugly guy, but we all love looking at a hundred dollar bill, right? When it's ours. Okay. You know, and uh, I heard a guy in a movie one time say, you know, tell, to a woman, when the light hits you just right, you're as beautiful as General Grant on a $50 bill, all right? You know, that, that might not sound that flattering, but, you know, we all feel that way when you see money, okay? So let's just admit it. We all like money, all right? We're going to you know, we'll admit we like, we like money a little bit, but again, are we, do we love it? Do we prioritize it over other things? Some people love money more than they love their family, and they do. They let money... Come before that, and they sacrifice relationships with their wife. They sacrifice relationship with their children. Time for money—that's bad. You'll you'll ruin things with that. And there's there's a lot of people who have a lot of money, and they do a lot of great things with it. You know why? Because they have it, and they probably even like it. But it's still it's not their priority. They don't they don't love it over other things. And so the question is, what do you love more? And the Apostle Paul, without a doubt, when we read about him in the Bible, it's hard to figure out what he cared about. It's hard to figure out what he liked because all we see him doing is going after souls. But, you know, the truth is he did love. He, he probably did have carnal things. He just loved souls more. He loved God more. That was the priority. That was the focus. And so nothing was able to move him. And so because Paul was not moved, he maintained his focus on finishing his course with joy. Philippians 3.13. We talked about this verse a couple weeks ago. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul did. Paul had a mark. Paul had a goal. Paul had a focus Paul was on a course, he knew where it led, he knew it was going to get to, and he was determined to stay on that, and he didn't let things distract him. He didn't let things move him from that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, okay, I don't know that this was written by Paul, it sure seems like it was written by Paul, but especially when we, when we compare it to these other scriptures we've been looking at, but in Hebrews 12, 11, or 12, 1, it says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Folks, let's just admit it. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but there are some sins that we like. There are sins that our flesh likes, which is why we are tempted to do these things because our flesh likes these things. Our flesh loves these things, but the writer of Hebrews here is saying, let's lay those things aside. But, but, you know, it's hard to just lay a desire aside. Okay? You know, you can't... It's hard for you to just say, all right, I'm going to make these things go away. It's hard for you to just all of a sudden, if you're trying to go on a diet or something, to just be like, you know, all right, I don't like soda anymore. Let me tell myself, you know, I don't like, you know, birthday cake anymore. Or whatever, whatever your weakness is. 
you know, just to, to, to tell yourself that, you just telling yourself that, is that going to make it go away? No, it's, the desire is still going to be there, but you know what you have to do? You have to purposefully set those things aside. You have to lay those things aside, and then you can't just lay those things aside, but you have to get your focus somewhere else, and that's why he says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. So the writer of Hebrews here is basically saying, if you, to fit, what you need to do if you're going to finish that course, you've got to lay aside those weights and the sins. And there are, it said there are sins that we desire, but there are also weights. There's things that are not sins, but they are things that slow us down. They're things that get us distracted when we're trying to run a race, and if we're trying to run a race, if you're going to have the best race possible, you can't be carrying about, around a bunch of weight. You can't do that. That'll slow you down. And so you do. You, you lay them aside. Not because they're sinful, but you lay them aside because they're, they're causing you to not run your best race. And I am for having hobbies. I am for people uh, enjoying things. I, I think we ought to have, it's good to have some things. But um, when those things start hindering your race, okay, then that's when you need to lay them aside. There are some things that I do for my own personal pleasure that I think, I think I, it's safe to say, sometimes too, I do it for my own sanity and mental health and things like that. But again, we can, you know, we can justify stuff that way. And by all means, take care of yourself mentally and all that kind of stuff. But we can also get to where it is. It's such a big part of our life. It's such an obsession where we're not doing things that we should be doing. And that, that's when it's a problem. We need to lay those things aside. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I believe here when it's talking about loving his appearing, I think we all love the thought of Christ appearing. I mean, folks, what saved person doesn't like the thought of his appearing? But what I believe he's talking about here when he says that crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing that's those who they've prioritized that in their life. That's the focus of their life. They're focusing on the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come back and they want to make sure that they're doing what God wants them to do, that they're being obedient to Him, that those who, who Jesus Christ and His will is the priority in their life. And let's face it, a lot of people when Jesus Christ comes back, they're going to get raptured because they are saved, but He was not a priority in their life. They weren't going to church. They weren't serving the Lord. They weren't following the Bible and, and learning about His Word. They weren't doing any of those things. They weren't winning souls. They're not going to receive that crown that Paul was striving for. That's for those who love His appearing. That's the priority in their life. Paul said in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice, Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. He's given these people some things to focus on and to prioritize. And these are all things, the things he's telling them to focus on are things that will help them finish their course of joy. Things that will help them uh, you know, fight a good fight. And so, we're, we're seeing Paul constantly reminding people to stay focused on finishing the course. Constantly, he's bringing this up. Finish that course. Stay focused on Christ. Stay focused on His appearing. Get your eyes and your minds on, off the things of your flesh. Get them on the things of God. Paul talked about this so much that I think it's safe to say that, you know what, maybe he was sometimes preaching to himself a little bit too. You know, preachers do that. Often, preachers when they have things that they're being challenged with and they need comfort, they need encouragement from the Scriptures, one of their ways that they do that is they get up and they preach to everybody else. Preachers preach to themselves as much as they do anybody else. And, and Paul, the fact he had to bring this up so much, I think obviously he understood everybody else was struggling with these things, but I imagine he did too. We need to be constantly reminded. And so you know, let me just ask you, does anybody think that while we know Paul loved souls and Paul loved God, I mean, does anybody think for five seconds Paul enjoyed the bad stuff that he went through? I mean, like, how could getting beat be fun? It's not. But, you know, in Second Corinthians, Paul, I, he, he brings up some things that he did. And it says in verse 20, 11, uh, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, it says, They ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. Okay? And he's doing this for a reason. Okay? It's, all, it's, it's normally not a good thing to talk about yourself. But Paul's doing it, and whenever Paul would speak about himself, he didn't like doing that. Even when he told the story about the man, um, you know, whether in the body or out of the body, he was kind of talking about himself, but it was like he was telling, it was like, I don't, I don't want to tell my story here. You know? But it was like Paul didn't like talking about himself. But sometimes it was necessary. But he says, I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. I must needs glory... Like it's necessary for me to say these things. I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor of Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes within a garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped by his hands. So when Paul brought, when Paul said, none of these things move me, We've got to understand, this is the type of stuff he was talking about. Most of us haven't, we've probably not been through any of these things that Paul's talking about here. So understand when, you know, while it's good for us to take that phrase, none of these things move me, 
here's, here's what we also need to take into consideration and understand. And that is, you know, what are the things that are moving us? When Paul said none of these things moving, he's talking about getting 39 stripes. You know, after the, after the second time of getting 39 stripes, be like, you know what? I can't keep doing this. But you know what? He kept doing that. And he got it again. And then he got it again. And then he got it again. Five times. He received 39 stripes. So the question is, what things are moving you? You know, Paul said none of these things move me. Shipwrecks, perils and nakedness, hungers, fastings. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 5, 7? Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You know, he said, who moved you? You, you all, you in Galatia, you are doing the right thing. Who moved you? Who got you off your course? And understand, there are always going to be forces out there. Our churches, our, our churches like ours are always going to have forces out there trying to move us. Where there's always going to be an attempt to move us from the King James Bible, to move us into the contemporary junk that's out there, to, come, to move us into liberalism, to move us doctrinally. Those forces are always going to be out there. It, it's, it's never going to stop. But we've got to determine, none of these things move me. But are we going to let criticism move us? Are we going to let embarrassment move us? As a pastor, am I going to let persecution move me? Or I could maybe, you know, not persecution, but maybe prestige. I want to move up the ranks in the IIB. I want to be the keynote speaker at the big conferences and things. You know what? A lot of preachers get moved by that. A lot of the things that we let move us aren't even trials, but it's it could be money. It could be... Uh, it could be things. And so, the, you know, the truth is, most people today who do not finish their course with joy, it's not going to be because they were moved by things like the Apostle Paul. It's going to be really small things. You know how many people are moved because somebody said something bad about them? Somebody criticized it. Man, I went and I did this labor of love. I put in all this work. I made all that casserole and nobody ate it in fellowship. I'm never going to that church again. So you're going to veer off your course because somebody moved you by not eating your food. You shouldn't have put cheese on it. I probably ate it. You know, I mean, no, just you know, I mean, <laughs> what you know? It, it's it's the littlest things that usually get us. I didn't like the sermon the pastor preached. This person was rude to me. This person in the church annoys the fire out of me. Listen, are you going to let an annoying person move you? Are you, going to let a, are you going to let an annoying person get you off your course? I mean, boy, if we actually, you know, spoke out loud. And, man, I'm not picking on anybody. Again, I preach to myself. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to anybody else today. But let me tell you, there's something about sitting down with somebody sometimes and talking about your problems, talking about the things that are distracting you, that are moving you. And you know what happens a lot of times when you start talking with somebody about things that are getting you off your course, you feel real stupid because you realize, man, these things are really lame. It's like, I'm being moved by, I mean, you know, a dirty look. I'm being moved by the thoughts that I think somebody has in their head. That's that's a lot of times the things that move us. I'm not going to go back to that church, bro, Tommy. Uh, Nobody in the church likes me. Did everybody tell you that they didn't like you? I can just tell. I, I can tell this one person hates me. 
So you're, you're going to, you know, you've told us you love this church, you tell us you believe with it, you agree with us doctrinally, and you're going to get out of a good church because of what you think is going on between the ears of another individual in the church. You know, and I, I'm, so I'm no exception, but sometimes, you know, I think, boy, is, if the Apostle Paul could see the things that move us, he'd probably give us 40 stripes, save one. You know, just, we're that, we're that bad. And so just, you know, just talking about these things, thinking about them. And, you know, and the thing is, in Galatians 5, 7, you know, I'm not trying to add anything to the scriptures here, but when he said you did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You know, what if this was a great force? What if this was a no, you know, a notable leader in the church? You know, what if it was a really big deal? What if this person, you know, you know, he had a bunch of family and mentors that are all telling him the wrong thing. You know, at the end of the day, in the Bible, when it would ask questions like this, it's not a matter of, no, I need to know. It's a matter of, you know, it doesn't really matter. It, it really doesn't matter. Nothing should move us. You know, if God is on our side, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. You know, we, we, don't, we, we don't even really, you know, so we can ask that question, but it is, it's kind of a rhetorical question too. In reality, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of like, who shall separate us from the love of God? Is it asking that because he wants to know the answer and we've got to give the name? No, he's saying that because nothing can separate us from the love of God. When they ask, you know, who is like unto the Lord our God? Mm, let me think. I'll have to search the scriptures to see if I can figure that out. Hey, the answer is nobody. What can be likened unto God? Don't go, you, you, you search the Bible. You know what you'll find the answer is? Nothing. It, it doesn't say it. And so the thing is, when the Bible asks, when the Bible brings up things like this, it doesn't matter what the answer is, because you know what? Nothing should move us. Nothing should hinder us. And so the things that are moving Christians today, they don't even compare to the things Paul was talking about. And God has put all of us in a course, and not only do we need to finish it, but we need to finish it with joy. There, and there, there's something about finishing a job and knowing you did it right. And let me tell you something. You know, I've, I've been in the ministry for over 20 years. Okay? You know, that's, that's a long time. But you know what? I'm not ready to finish my course with joy. I am, I'm far from being done. And I could, if, if I quit right now, I would, you know, I would go to heaven having done more time serving God than many people who are going to heaven. But you know what? I will not have finished my course. I will not have finished my course with joy. And I believe I will be ashamed at his coming. While there will be other people out there who have not been saved that long, maybe only been saved a few years, but you know what? They finished their course and they did it with joy. They were obedient to the end. They did love his appearing. And so we've got to make sure we always keep our focus right and don't let things move us. Don't let money, don't let people, don't let anything move you. Don't let anything distract you. Just you know, we, we've got to learn to just deal with things. I can't give you all the secret of how to live a thriving Christian life with no problems. Because most of our New Testament instruction we have is from the Apostle Paul, who bonds and afflictions abided him. That was all he dealt with. So, Pastor Tommy, I just feel like there's a lot of problems and challenges I have to deal with going to this church. Yeah, you know what I found out? They abide us. But you know what? Don't let them move you. Don't let them move you. God set you on a course. 
keep going. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the encouragement, from the, the example of the Apostle Paul. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for uh, recording these things for us so we can find comfort. And Lord, it's real easy for us to, uh, in our minds, make our problems seem like they're just so vast. But as we uh, see what your word has to say about them, we realize they really don't matter at all. And so I pray you'll help us to just stay focused on you and to love your appearing like we're supposed to. In your name we pray. Amen.